Welcome to the Big Ten on Radio Boise. I'm your uh, host today, Luke Fowler, here with my uh, co-host, uh, Jackie Kettler. And Charlie Hunt, our, our new addition, is running the boards today. Um, so if we have any technical difficulties, you'll have to excuse us. You can blame me. Yeah. And so we uh, we have guests today, a special guest from the uh, Boise State, uh, the Associate Dean of uh, Extended Studies, uh, Pete Reese. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we've got another exciting edition of the show to talk about. Lots of lots of interesting stuff uh, on the board or on the docket. I'm sure everyone would love to hear us talk about the impeachment proceedings, but we're just going to have to hang on for that topic for a little bit. Uh, well, they can pretty much put it on any news station or blog or anything else. So we like to we like to focus on community issues here on community radio, and uh, keep that in mind next week when it's radiothon. It's time for donations. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's going to love that. I just plugged that. All right, so uh, Pete, uh, ex- Associate Dean of Extended Studies um, at Boise State. That is uh, a complex title. Why don't you uh, tell us and our listeners what all you do, because it, it involves a lot of responsibilities, as I understand. It does, and so our, simply put, our, our mission in Extended Studies is to extend uh, the university and access to the university beyond traditional boundaries. And so we accomplish that uh, using online education. Uh, we have uh, regional outreach sites located throughout the state. Uh, we are on the military bases at Gowan Field and Mountain Home Air Force Base um, and a variety of other things, including OSHER, Lifelong Learning Institute, concurrent enrollment, and uh, non-credit professional development programming. And I think a lot of people, when they think of the university, they think about like undergraduate classes on campus. Mm-hmm. But what you're describing is a lot of university activity happening and for, for other audiences in other ways than just undergraduate classes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, anything from, uh, again, the degree completion programs to supporting master's degree level programs that, that are uh, based out in a particular community. Um, one of my favorites is working with the military audience at Mountain Home. We've actually been at Mountain Home since 1947. Whoa. Oh, wow. So the only other location uh, older than, than that one is, is the Boise State main campus. And so I don't think very many people know that. Uh, we've been at, at Gowan Field since the uh, 1981 uh, consistently. And so we really enjoy those things. Um, you know, it's, it's an exciting time, and we're hoping to continue to grow access. Um, these days, we, we grow access through uh, online programming primarily. And so uh, one reason I, I had you on it, and I – because uh, one of my favorite topics to talk about in the show, uh, particularly when it comes to higher ed and universities, is all the things that go on in universities that aren't what we think of traditional classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, just because uh, there's so many conversations that I've had with the family and friends. They're like, oh, all you do is teach classes. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's actually like a really small part of what we do overall. I mean, my job in the university in particular. Um, so I'm just curious, can you maybe give us a little perspective about how big the extended studies is and some of the things you do as compared to the rest of the university? Oh, yeah. I think... You know, roughly uh, 23% of the total enrollments um, at Boise State University um, come through some form of programming related to what Extended Studies uh, does in partnership with academic departments. Oh, wow. That's that's big. I it mean, is. Yeah. And one in four enrollments today are online, for instance. And so we continue to grow in that sphere. Um, that tends to be a growing preference amongst students. Uh, People need flexibility in their lives. And that's not just for students that are going fully online. That's for students that um, are otherwise working, living on campus in in the dorms or or an apartment. And uh, they prefer that to have that uh, level of flexibility in their life. 
But it is interesting. Like, I've taught some undergraduate online classes, and some have been, you know, they're enrolled traditionally. But I've also had students that are in eastern Idaho or Washington or Oregon. And so it's really neat to get to pull together students from different stages of life in different regions. Yeah, it's exciting. We have have students at Boise State from uh, all 50 states and uh, many countries around the world these days. Uh, A lot of those are deployed military members and or folks that are working overseas uh, for a c- company that's based in Boise. So it's it's a it's amazing the reach that you can have. What are some of the bigger changes you've seen in terms of the, the types of populations over time, you know, over the last maybe 10, 20 years uh, in terms of, you know, who's going through extended studies? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a specific example would be, um, you know, degree completion programs that we've had historically. Our Bachelor of Arts and Multidisciplinary Studies is one. Um, you know, nine years ago, the average age of a multidisciplinary studies student was about 46 years old and that that age has has dropped down into the into the late 30s and so we are seeing younger and younger students that are associating themselves with those programs I think uh, a lot of that is relevant to the fact that people are enjoying a good uh, employment opportunity these days and they need to to be out there and do those things um, and they're and they're finding I think uh, a lot of um, joy <laughs> in the fact that they can and uh, more um, actively control the design of their degree too. I think that's a big factor these days. And uh, I know uh, my my two colleagues here are teaching you know traditional undergrad programs, but you know I teach mostly grad students, and so I have very very few students that are full time that don't work during the the day, don't have families, and all this other kind of stuff. So these programs are really important, particularly for Idaho. Um, given its rural nature right and the flexibility but also kind of the growing and development being that's going on here and as people try to balance you know their work their life and education and trying to Mm -hmm. trying to find more opportunities for themselves um so this is a really important part of the university it, it is. And, and you know, the, the nice thing for us, whether that's um, at an outreach location where people can take uh, live classes or if they are taking them online, it allows them to stay and live where they choose to. Right. And historically, and probably we've all um, experienced in our own education, uh, you, you went to campus and you had that uh, what we would refer to as a residential experience. Well, that's not necessarily practical today. Right. And so people need to um, have the ability to live where they choose to live. We don't want to have to uproot families. We don't want to have to disrupt jobs that already exist. And we most certainly don't want to uh, disrupt the social and economic vitality of the co- smaller communities that are outside of Ada County or, or Boise. Well, and in a state where there's a lot of goals about getting more people um, to have college educations mm-hmm. or go on to get college degrees, I think this is, you know, some great programs to help broaden it out so it's not just those people immediately graduating high school and going on. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, we, we use terms like adults or non-traditional or post-traditional students. These are, are folks that have uh, experiences uh, beyond high school. Uh, maybe they didn't go that traditional route from straight from high school into university, but they've done something exciting uh, or different or something in their life uh, prevented them from going on. These are opportunities for them to come back um, and to carry on with what uh, they need to in order to advance their, their life. When I say... Uh both from personal experience and people I know and then you know some of the research like once you get out of academia it's really hard to get back in Mm -hmm. I mean so particularly for adults that start jobs and start families it's adjusting back into the 
way that academics are and how we approach it is just very hard because it's not really like the the work world is. Um, so this is, a, I mean, again, a, one of those things where it's hard to expect somebody that works a full-time job to go to class on a Tuesday morning, right? That's right, yeah. And so evening classes, uh, weekend classes, uh, and, of course, again, online. Um, but it's it's also it's a matter of um, how we are going to evolve in higher ed. You know, yeah. the demographics uh, of the world right now in the United States, we're estimating that there's going to be 11 percent fewer um, traditional age students coming forward within the next 10 years. And so that means that adult students or those who have not taken advantage of, of that uh, availability uh, traditionally, they're going to be a major part of our audience going forward. And we've got to build programs uh, that are adaptable and flexible for their needs. Well, that's interesting stuff. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to come back and talk about some of the specific programs that you're excited about that you are working on these days. Great. Hi, this is Gus Marsden from Boise. You're listening to Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. Community radio for Boise and beyond. All right, we're back on the Big Tent with Pete Reese talking about uh, extended studies and, and engaging uh, non-traditional students uh, at Boise State. Now, Pete, you, you have so many interesting programs going on and so many things happening over there, um, but there's a couple that you're particularly excited about that you want to talk about, tell us about today, right? So why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us what's, what's all going on over there? Well, I think, you know, uh, some of the bigger things that we're working on today, um, are, you're really taking advantage of the flexibility that we do have uh, at Boise State for students. And so we're really trying to uh, address issues of access and affordability overall. Um, so related to that, the affordability issue, uh, we've got several programs going on where we're able to partner with uh, existing uh, or, or community-based organizations. Uh, in one case, uh, we've got a program called Passport to Education, which is a partnership with CapEd Credit Union. And we're, allow, we're able to, through that ag- agreement, um, allow students to, to pay their tuition in a subscription-based manner. And so students could choose to take uh, six credits or nine credits per semester and pay their, their uh, tuition fees on a monthly basis rather than a big slug up at the, at the front end of it. And uh, CapEd then also comes in and pays any remaining fees that might exist for testing or, or anything, supplies and that sort of thing that the student might have. Associated with that then is also we're using what we call OER, or Open Educational Resources. And these are, you know, the books, the textbooks that oftentimes are so expensive and catch people off guard. That's um, dropping prices anywhere from 22 to 33% over the traditional cost of, of a degree. Uh, those are limited to two specific degrees, but uh, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, that sounds like, a, it, I mean, I know the the financial barriers are some of the be- the biggest mm-hmm. issues for a lot of our students, and particularly as we talk about the student loan crisis and, and stuff like sure. that, I mean, uh, making it easier to get there. Uh, I pretty like the discussion of uh, OERs in general, just because they're cheap and they're easy. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, I've stopped assigning textbooks in a lot of my classes just because I don't really like a lot of the textbooks that are written for my field, um, and they're <laughs> expensive. And so it's yeah. kind of hard for me to tell students to spend a hundred dollars on a book that I don't think is that good, right? It, exactly. Well, we have other options now. There's a lot of other resources, and through the library, there's a lot of resources provided, and so there's options out there. So I think. It's nice and it's not immediately, I need a textbook. Well, no, let me think about other options. Yeah, I think that's one of the beautiful things about Boise State is our faculty are um, adaptable and they see the value in, in removing those additional barriers where, where we can. So I think that's fantastic. Well, we want, you know, we want students to come take our mm-hmm. classes. We want to engage and especially from the state of Idaho. And so sure. I think any, uh, you know, these types of programs are so great because it maybe can open up a university education to a broader set of the population. That's right. 
Now, so you also have a program going on with Apple, correct? Uh, that's correct. We have uh, um, a partnership with Apple. Uh, they've granted us um, a small stipend of money uh, in order to sorry, uh, to deal with um, a new project. Uh, we're working with teachers to put uh, technology and uh, training on uh, coding into the hands of teachers in the K-12 classroom. And the interesting thing about this is that Apple, uh, through their foundation, has funded this project so that we can really address the needs of um, socioeconomically disadvantaged uh, schools in in districts across the state. We're starting, uh, we're piloting several schools within the uh, Boise School District and then the Wilder School District. And uh, at this point, uh, we're just in phase two. The teachers have been trained and now they're beginning to engage with their students on training them how to code using uh, everyone can code curriculum from Apple. At the end of the year then, once we get into springtime, we will engage with their local communities to identify challenges and problems that exist within the community. And then the kids will have to work with their teachers and to uh, TAs from our uh, gaming interactive mobile media program at Boise State to solve that problem or challenge using technology. Oh, what a great program. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so, one of the best things I've ever done. So in yeah. some, you're teaching kids how to code and then get teaching them or and then forcing them to solve community problems like, or maybe forcing is not the right word there, but getting them to solve community <laughs> problems. I mean, I mean, that sounds yeah. like the exact type of thing we should be doing in yep. higher ed, right? Putting them into the into the uh, opportunity chair to, to solve those problems. And so the community then has uh, a greater stake in with what's going on at the school. The teachers have the ability to connect uh, across those things. The kids get equipment that they wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and and hopefully what we're going to see at the end of the year and having seen some initial results, I believe it's going to be true, some tangible results. And so the possibility for impl- you know, implementing this in other areas of our work uh, is, is pretty staggering. Well, and that seems to align really nicely with Boise State's role, you know, in the city of Boise and in in the, in the state, especially in the state capital, you know, being directly involved in the community and right. being a space where people can come together and not just being that place you go for four years, right? Yeah, it makes us much more accessible, uh, less the the house on the hill sort of uh, perception. And I think if we can successfully reproduce this in other areas of what our, our practice is as, as teachers, uh, as faculty, as uh, administrators, then I think that we can sort of unveil a new uh, level of engagement and in, in embedding what we do within a community to, to bring about tangible and positive outcomes. No, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, that's something that, that we constantly are talking about the School of Public Service is, you know, how do we operationalize this in communities? How do, like, we use all this knowledge and expertise and try to improve our society um, in, in really good ways? Yep. Um, and so it's cool to, to hear that y'all are doing this. And working with Apple, because it sounds like uh, y'all are, again, at the, like, the cusp of innovation and, and pushing some of those boundaries, which is one of the things that makes Boise State such a cool place to work. Yeah, yeah. and I should mention that uh, that partnership is the other component of it is is that we bring in a partnership with Extended Studies, the College of Innovation and Design, the College of Education, just within our own university. But then we also brought in the College of Western Idaho and the Idaho Digital Learning Alliance to help with us. And so by, by bringing a, this broad set of expertise, we're going to be able to reach out to the entirety of the state uh, once we get up and running fully. 
uh, through the pilot. So it's exciting. Yeah, that's really neat. What are what's an example of the type of like cha- you know mm-hmm. challenges they're trying to solve or address? Yeah, early on uh, we engaged with uh, Chief Bones from the Boise uh, Police Department. Uh, we engaged with Janus Funds, and we engaged with the uh, Idaho Children's uh, Society. Each member of that uh, of, of the, those particular groups came in and issued an individual challenge uh, for the for the Boise Police Department. Their challenge was how do we better communicate with the with the homeless population in terms of what services are available to them, when, where, and how. Uh, so using a, a simple app that was developed by the, the teachers in this case, uh, that became a communication tool that we can use. Same thing with the uh, Children's Society is once the child ages out of that system, how can they keep in touch with the people who have been mentoring and teaching and supporting them for years uh, so that if they're having a challenge or a problem, they can, they can get some, some solutions uh, provided to them um, immediately. And then finally, with Janus Funds, is how, how can we get people um, emergency loans that are not predatory in nature uh, easy and quickly? Oh, what great pro! Like oh, what, what great beautiful. people to partner with yep. and issues to work on. Yep, and that's just the initial phase. Once we get out into the actual communities, it'll it'll look even more exciting. I think that really is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like those are, are really pressing uh, issues. Can I ask how those kind of groups w- were chosen? I mean, is there was there anything specific about them that, that made them appealing? I think you know it's it's uh, certainly a, m- a matter of the coalition of the willing. Right, those who, those who can come up with an idea uh, to challenge uh, young people with, or, or in this case the teachers, uh, very important. And so we will continue to engage with whoever wants to participate in this and, and keep moving it forward. That's, uh, that sounds fantastic. So for all our listeners out there, if you're curious, uh, look up Pete Reese. and We can just send him all emails, calls off, and so we'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I believe we've got to take another uh, quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about one of our favorite uh, issues on this show, which is the growth in Boise, and hear some of your perspectives on how it affects community outreach through the university and everything else. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Ben from the Brothers Comatose, and you're listening to Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. All right, we're back on the Big Tent, um, and so we're, we're still here with uh, Pete Reese uh, from Boise State Extended Studies, and, you know, we wanted to wrap up the show uh, today talking about uh, growth in Boise, which uh, for our listeners who are unaware, like Boise's growing very quickly. Um, I think most people know that, uh, but it's also uh, created some very interesting challenges in a lot of different ways. So, uh, Pete, like, what do you see from your your end on the community outreach and all these types of this, this type of engagement? Like, how's all this growth affecting what you do? Well, I think really being able to provide um, accessible solutions for those that are coming into the state um, with their, you know, new kids themselves, uh, new companies that might need to develop their workforce beyond uh, the immediate need. Those are all creating uh, conversations about what we will need to do going forward. Um, do we have the right mix of programs available at the moment and what do we need to grow into? Yeah, what is the future state of the economy and are we going to need to adapt to that? So those types of things are certainly um, within that. I think more acutely, uh, there's there's a, a fear amongst those of us who have lived here for some time uh, that it's disrupting the values um, of our local communities and the things that we t- we hold dear um, about Idaho and Boise. And so ensuring that we're having conversations you know the university uh, I think serves the ability to have those those really difficult conversations and to host those things and I think you all in particular with your field of work have the ability to to help address those things and so I think 
you know, really being able to serve the needs of everyone uh, so that all voices are heard and so that we are working together to solve problems um, and we're sharing in those rewards is, is really our biggest challenge right now. Yeah, I'm always uh, intrigued uh, about the the conversations in Boise where there seems to be like the right type of growth, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that growth never include like the right type never includes people from California. Um, <laughs> but you know, kind of going back and forth about I mean how this like changes some of the characters of our communities. And again, I, I've been at this is my fourth year of the school of public service, but seeing new faculty like Charlie come in, I mean, when we just think about that community, like it's, it's grown and it's changed because there's new people in the room. Um, but I think it's changed in positive ways, but it's mm-hmm. because we continually have that conversation about how we define ourselves and what our values are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see some of that going on at Boise, but I also see a lot of resistance to talking about those things. Yeah. It's almost the, you know, the thing that we don't talk about it's happening, whether we like it or not, it's happening. And, and I don't think you can turn back the clock on it. The words out voice is a great place to live. Uh, it's a great place to raise your family and, uh, it's going to, I think, continue to go that way. So we can either, um, sort of accept that as happening and do the hard work to make sure that we do have the right kind of growth and not necessarily go into an attitude that we need to exclude a particular group of people because they come from a particular state um, and recognize that they come here because they're seeking the same thing that we have. Right, and I think one thing that, you know, I think people at the university are trying to help resolve, you know, like help be in those discussions Mm -hmm. about how do we deal with this growth, but also how do we reach out to help, you know, build a community even among, you know, people who are arriving more, more in more recent years. Yeah, it's, it's very simple to, to cast somebody aside because they come from a place that we have suspicions about or don't like. Um, I think the minute we can get into a room with one another and have these conversations openly and willingly, uh, and, and certainly our faculty are expert at, at guiding those conversations, you know, I think we can get down to really solving uh, what it is that people are concerned about. Well, I think uh, one of the, the key things that, that makes Boise how it is and a lot of the, I mean, I guess the social goods, public goods we have here is how much social capital, right, that, yes. that exists here in the, that sense of community. And the thing that's the most detrimental to that community is deciding that other people aren't part of it, right? That's it's closing the doors, and that's how we're going to lose all this. And so it, it's kind of counterintuitive that honestly just opening the doors and, and welcoming everybody in and making those social connections is how you hold on to what makes Boise special. Yeah. Um, but that's not always the easy thing to do, uh, particularly because, I mean, xenophobia kind of the fear of people of the unknown is, is so ingrained in us as human mm-hmm. beings so yeah and I, I think harnessing the power of of the many yeah to, to come up with a solution is the right thing to do well i think that's a that's sort of a good way of getting at how this you know you know all of this growth doesn't and by the way i hope i'm the right kind of growth uh, <laughs> that remains we'll to be see. seen charlie yeah we'll see we'll see how this first semester goes uh but but i think that really gets to how this can you know not just be a challenge but an opportunity you know what kind of opportunities in terms of you know deciding what it is we want to do next as a city or as a university or as a state uh you know, these changes bring a lot of challenges, but I, I think they probably bring a lot of opportunities too, right, for, for you know, growing in the ways that we want to. Yeah, I think so. I, I prefer to look at everything as an opportunity rather than, than, than a problem. But, it, you know, if, if I'm going to bet money on who's going to be able to solve a problem like this, I'm going to put it on Boise. I mean, this is a, an incredibly innovative community. Um, it's uh, built um, with a strong value structure, which is essential. And I think uh, the more minds that we can put to this in an open, again, open and willing fashion, uh, let's let's do it. 
there does seem to be a lot of interest in innovation, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I think change can be hard, sure. but if you have people willing to talk about solutions and approaches in a community manner, which seems to be happening to some degree, I mean, that's going to be a much better way than, than the alternative. Sure. And I think, you know, if you really get down to brass tacks on what is it that people resist about change, it's really fear, right? It's fear of loss. Um, what is what is the loss of my influence going to be? Could I lose a job over this? Um, am I going to lose a particular way of life that I want to uh, continue on with? If we can if we can at least start there and acknowledge that that's um, what's happening to some degree for all of us. And those are valid concerns. Sure. We don't want to minimize those types of fears. That's right. Yeah, but it, I think you have to name it and call it, and then and then move past it. Yeah, and talk about it regularly mm -hmm. and openly, like that's like right. you said, right? I mean, that's where a lot of these problems come from. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I, I was talking to a colleague not long ago about uh, you know this idea of snowflakes, and college students sure. are really uh, afraid to like talk about these difficult conversations. And we both kind of like both agreed that like in our experience, like they're not afraid to talk about these they things. They just afraid. don't. <laughs> Like, it just, they don't have opportunities to, but when you put them in classrooms with a facilitator, basically a faculty member to say, to like keep emotions stamped down, they'll talk about it in really objective ways and have amazing insights. Uh, every once in a while, my, some of my students will say things. And I'm like, wow, that just, that just blew my mind. You yep. are way smarter than I am, which is kind of fantastic to, to moments to have in a classroom. Yep. Yeah. The beautiful thing about my job is I get to work with elementary school kids all the way up through, through adults. And, uh, you know, everybody has an amazing insight based on their their place in the world that so, is pretty cool yeah. and, and, and unusual not most people no. most people don't get to work with that broader range of people right all right well uh so unfortunately we are coming to the end of our show um i want to give a special thanks to uh pete here for uh, being our guest today and talking about all the cool stuff that they're doing over extended studies at boise state um i also want to uh thank charlie over here for managing to get through the first show without any big problems he's already done better than i have and i've done like a dozen of these things so clearly he is the uh, whiz kid of this show i mean we'll see maybe there's just been dead air for the last 30 minutes but i'm, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that's not the case honestly we've had shows that are worse than just 30 minutes of dead air so we can't be that bad right <laughs> all right we'll see everybody uh, next week here on uh, krbx 89.9 fm caldwell boise um this is the uh, big tent